It is the 11 Dubcast. I am Johnny. He is Andy. And we are here to bring you more summer fun frivolity. Let's start with a topic that we always kind of been starting with basically since March, right? Which is what college football is going to look like. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. I just maybe want to talk a little bit about what's changed since last week. And because of that, I don't know that we have to spend that much time on it because I don't know that much has changed. I think that you're seeing some shifts and how schools are communicating their desires for a season. You you see uh, Ohio State players, for example, on Twitter and on social media, you know, saying, I want a season. We want to get this thing done. I just don't think anything concrete has really come down yet. The only change that I really see, Andy, is I believe that you are starting to see athletic departments make their case for why football needs to happen. And that's something that's been playing out over the past maybe week or so where they've been saying, look, this isn't just, you know, a player's thing. This isn't just something we want to have happen because we like football. This is a dire financial issue that we have to uh, address, which, you know, (laughs) when they, when they make a decision on this, I think we can have all kinds of conversations about, you know, schools prioritizing their finances over possible player safety or staff safety. That's, that's a whole other can of worms that we can open when we get to it. But does it seem to you, Andy, that schools are starting to try to make their case for why this has to happen and including in actions like Ohio state or in action at Ohio state where they are not reporting any numbers of players who test positive for COVID. Well, I think that's the, that's one thing that has really surprised me is that Ohio state hasn't gotten more pushback for not releasing COVID numbers. Um, you, and they you and should. They should get, get a lot more pushback. Well, well and, it, and it's, I, I think in a vacuum, you know, so the average fan probably doesn't, notice that necessarily but uh, I get the press releases from all of the Big Ten schools as, as I'm sure you do as well and so right. almost all of the other Big Ten schools that that send regular press releases there are a few schools that just don't send out a lot of um, a, a press anyway you don't get a whole lot of uh, Maryland press releases in general <laughs> I guess but but yeah. the ones that do and of course Northwestern's a little different private schools so they can kind of play by their own rules and and so right. on but most of these other schools uh, send out if, you know, not daily, but weekly updates, it seems like, on their COVID testing. Here's how many tests we've conducted. Here's how many positives. You know, Ohio State tends to hide behind the shield of HIPAA and FERPA and every other privacy policy. And, and I get that. Uh, they want to keep player player data um, safe, student data safe. I, I respect that. But let's let's be real. For the most part, they're just very much of the mindset that the less we let out of the bubble, the better. Um, right. And and so that that's part of it. So I, I am interested to see at what point there's enough pushback that Ohio State relents on that policy. Um, but, you know, n- knowing the press corps in our fair city, I don't necessarily expect them to get uh, immense pressure out from a couple outlets. Anyway, uh, aside from a couple outlets. Anyway, so moving on to your question about what's happening or not happening. Yeah, you're absolutely starting to see schools make their cases. Uh, the the Twitter and Instagram push from Ohio State's players and, and coaches was notable um, and noticeable. NCAA late last week released their guidelines for weekly testing on COVID-19, two-week mm-hmm. quarantines for close contacts with positive cases. Nothing super earth-shattering there, but I think what was, what was needed was the NCAA finally kind of making some uh, headway toward recommendations because one of the things they even noted in their social push for these recognition of these um, recommendations was that testing and contact tracing infrastructure while it's expanded considerably the variations in approach to reopening America for business and recreation have correlated with a considerable spike in cases in recent weeks <laughs> right yes yes that's very true and oh by the way NCAA maybe you should help by setting some sort of standards for which your member institution should play uh, by the rules as well. So they, then they're trying to do that with these these regulations. Big news uh, that Rutgers, um, along with uh, NFL teams, the Jets and the Giants, uh, will not have fans in the stands because of... Um, oh, I think that's inevitable for every team. Like, assuming, you know, assuming there's a season, I can't imagine. I, I don't know how you do that at a place like Ohio State. Like, we're, okay, a third of the stands are going to be full. It's still 30,000 people. You can't. Yeah. I, I don't see that happening anywhere. Um, yeah, the, the the New York teams and, and Rutgers, they're um, responding to uh, New Jersey's statewide limit of 500 people at outdoor gatherings that would apply to 
local teams there. So uh, that's probably the first domino there. But what really, you know, I think tips the hand to the likelihood that there will be a season of some sort at the FBS level. Now, I'm not certain what I think, and, and maybe I should even define that further at the Power 5 level, right. is the amount of money on the table. We've we've talked about this back and forth, but um, footballscoop.com had a story late, uh, either late last week or earlier this week with a Washington University in St. Louis um, economic analysis that the Power Five conferences alone would lose a collective $4 billion. <laughs> $4 billion this a year alone cash. from not having, yeah, from, from not having football. Now, take that a step further. Um, nobody had higher expenses than Ohio State for the 2019 fiscal year, according to right. USA Today's finance database. So Ohio State, uh, $220 million <laughs> in athletic expenses for the last fiscal year. That's $15 million more than the second place university. So, And, and interestingly, revenues of what, $210 million, right? And it's... Yeah. So they have operated at a nominal deficit for the past couple of seasons. And Gene Smith kind of brushed off like, okay, that's, you know, budgeting, whatever. It's, it's not real. I, I'm curious about that because to me, I don't know how that's not real. $10 million isn't just kind of a rounding error. So I don't know if that is influencing how they approach all of this in general, or if it's simply uh, a reflection of, things that have already been in place for a while in, in terms of construction and costs and, and maintenance and whatnot. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that they've been anticipating for a while, I guess is what I'm saying. But in light of potentially not having football, I think numbers like that, however much Ohio State wants to downplay them, that's a big deal. That, that means a lot. That's a lot of money. Here's the other thing that I think is worth watching specific to Ohio State if there was no college football season this this year, which I think is a very real possibility, we should all be preparing for emotionally. Sure. If if that doesn't happen, and if this uh, uh, economic analysis that said you're going to lose four billion dollars, that that that's an average, by the way, of sixty two million dollars per school. So Gene <laughs> Smith told the Columbus Dispatch back in February that if Ohio State really was sitting at a ten million dollar deficit, mm-hmm. okay. He he told the dispatch that uh, the deficit's really only about six hundred and twenty some thousand dollars, and that's right. just as you noted. Uh, you know, he's, he kind of brushed that uh, uh, under the rug a little bit. But his comment that I thought was really kind of a peek behind the wizard's curtain. There's no way I would be sitting here with thirty six sports if we had a ten million dollar deficit. It just wouldn't happen. I'd be dropping sports, and ticket prices would go up. Well, that's now right. Let's look at this situation. So when does it become real? Yeah, you're right, right. You're on the record as saying that in February. Uh, Ohio State has the most NCAA um, sports of of any program in the country at the FBS level. Uh, Stanford was up there, and then, you know, as we know, we talked about an episode or two ago, they canceled 15 programs because of COVID. I, I have a hard time seeing Gene Smith signing off on cutting sports as he nears retirement and worries about his legacy, but his own record in February is saying if we had a $10 million deficit, well, we're talking about a potential scenario where there could be a much larger than $10 million deficit if right. college football doesn't happen. And it was pretty right. scary times. It is. And and I think that also, as I said, kind of pushes a, a certain narrative and agenda for you know these athletic departments because they, they, they know these numbers. It's not new to them. It's not surprising to them. So it's interesting to me um, to see – I mean, like – we keep saying in the next couple of weeks, I got to make a decision. I got to make a decision. At some point, a decision will be made. Uh, it just, it feels like there's, I don't know. It feels like a really strange holding pattern right now. You've got players on Instagram. We, we posted this on the site, uh, players on Instagram posting pictures of their workouts and whatnot, which is like, Hey, we're still here. We're still working. Um, and, and that is 100% part of a coordinated effort from Ohio state to kind of like remind people that the, football team is still active they're still doing things they still want to play so yeah it's it's interesting to see how that kind of evolves and And, you know i I want football to happen i think the schools universities want football to happen it's just going to see what the situation dictates in the next few weeks well and to put this into into perspective too you know you you alluded to that we keep saying you know we're gonna have to make a decision soon they're gonna have to make a decision soon uh 
you know, going to an all Big Ten schedule, doing over those non-conference games, in essence, gave the conference a month. Right. Breathing room. Right. Because we we talked here a few episodes ago before that decision was announced that we were at 60 some days until the Bowling Green game was scheduled to tip. You know that we're we're today at something like 67 days until the Rutgers game is scheduled to tip, which would which would ostensibly be the season debut for the Buckeyes um, and, and the home opener. So, you know, we're we're fastly approaching that Fisher cut bait time frame uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Like there's, you know, you hope it happens. You've been watching soccer, you know, hockey, uh, you know, the NBA is going to be a thing. NASCAR golf. You've, you've had some sports back in your life now as the summers progressed, but football's a different animal. Yes. It's just a different animal. And, it is. and, and I've enjoyed, I mean, look, I, I'm watching crew games that end at 1230 at night, you know, like I, I'm definitely invested in some of these, these sports that are coming back because it's live athletics and it, it takes on a different dynamic, obviously now, which I think adds a little bit of interest for me in general, but uh, you're right. Football is its own thing and it's, it's very hard to, to replace that or to substitute it. So to that um, end for friends who are looking for live sports, I'll give a little plug for uh, Buckeye wrestling alumni who are going to be in sports action oh, this weekend, actually. So um, two Buckeye graduates going to be wrestling um, in freestyle competition on Friday, July 25th. Uh, flowwrestling.com pay-per-view and full disclosure I occasionally contribute articles.flow but I'm not getting a dime to promote it to you on this here podcast <laughs> but Miles Martin who is an NCAA champion for the Buckeyes will be wrestling uh, he's currently the number eight ranked 86 kilogram wrestler in the world and he will be taking on the 2018 world champion David Taylor Nice. Uh, and also, um, Buckeye in action in that same match will be um, recent graduate Luke Pletcher. Pletcher will be taking on MMA star Darian Caldwell. Um, Caldwell, I want to say, is I'm trying to remember which promotion he fights under. He's an MMA guy, but was a um, uh, an NCAA wrestler. He actually got added to the card due to an injury. Rutgers grad Anthony Ashnault was supposed to be on the the card, but yeah, Bellator bantamweight champion, Darian Caldwell. So it's going to be a really interesting match. Pletcher was one of my favorite guys to watch wrestle this year. And he's going to be taking it on an MMA guy who was wrestling in NCAA competition when Pletcher was like in the third grade. So oh, it's a really wild clash of styles and generations. Yeah. Um, so those two will be on Friday night. And then speaking of MMA, um, Ohio state, uh, alumnus, um, Mark Martin will be wrestling, uh, not wrestling, fighting in LFA's pay-per-view on UFC Fight Pass, I'm going to say on Saturday. So that was just announced this week. That'll be his um, LFA debut. So if you're into MMA, you probably know these promotions better than I do. But those are three Buckeye wrestlers and or grapplers and or fighters, however you want to slice it, going at it Friday and Saturday night. So things to be be, be on the market for. The Buckeye alumni, you know, do those things after they've, they've kind of moved on. I, I always enjoy that. That's really great. I'm glad you were able to, well, to tell us about that. Well, and I would say for, I know there are a lot of MMA fans out there in general. Um, Ohio state has done, I don't know that we've talked about this um, much, but Ohio state has done really well in the MMA space. Uh, yeah, there has been yeah. a number. It's, it's pretty wild actually. When you look at the number of people from uh, Ohio state's wrestling program have gone on to do, extremely well um in in mixed martial arts so you know probably the two biggest uh for sure well not probably for sure the two biggest would be kevin the monster randleman um the late the late kevin randleman who was one just of the recognized progenitors this of, year of mma right like he, he was, was yeah that, yeah the 17th member of ufc's hall of fame in the pioneer era wing the other member of the Pioneer Era wing, by the way, to come from Ohio State would be fellow Buckeye heavyweight Mark the Hammer Coleman. Um, Coleman was the first UFC heavyweight champ in 1997 when they unified the Super Fight Championship and the Tournament Championship. So he was um, NCAA champion for Ohio State, as was um, Randleman, both them in the UFC Hall of Fame and the Pioneer wing. Uh, current roster, though, you've got um, Lance Palmer. Lance Palmer is wrestling in... 
um, PFL, the, the Pro Fighters League, and has won their um, PFL championship two years in a row. So I, I call him the $2 million man. Um, <laughs> and then now you've got, as I say, Martin is going to be making his debut in LFA. Uh, and, and I think there are a few other guys who who are you know either wrestling currently or in the next few years that could I could see going into the MMA route. So anyway, cool. sorry for the little segue into, no, no, it's in, I mean, into it's... the combat sports. <laughs> no, it's interesting, and it, you know, like I said, it's it's always fun to see Ohio State alumni go out and, and do some and live sports, yo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. So it's not just you know we we've talked a little bit about you know alternatives to what a regular sports. Uh, diet looks like and whatnot and what other things that we can do to kind of keep ourselves occupied and what football will look like if it comes back or when it comes back, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's still the normal cycle going on kind of in the background, the recruiting cycle. And I just, you know, I'm not a huge recruiting guy. I follow it. I like to see who the, you know, um, people who are in each class are. And then obviously I, you know, learn on the site and, and digest all of their careers and stuff like that but i don't i don't follow it on like a minute to minute basis it's not one of those things where i enjoy paying attention to the horse race leading up to the commitment however i will say that i do enjoy the drama between schools particularly when we're talking about either universities that are overly invested in certain you know <laughs> certain elements of their of their football team or their ability to get recruits or when someone flips from one school to the to another Ohio State obviously just got a big flip in Jordan Hancock and you know you've got a top 100 player coming in he was originally um committed uh to Clemson or at least you know as much as anyone can be committed. I don't, <laughs> I don't know that anybody can be considered committed until they're actually on campus anymore. Right. But he was committed to kick and he flips to Ohio state. It's something that had been teased for a while. I know everybody was just kind of chomping at the bit to go like, all right, dude, when is this going to be official? When is this going to happen? And um, you know, he's Hancock for his part saying all the best things about Ohio state, you know, calling it, you know, how, essentially it's dbu and he's talking about all the different players that have come through which i really appreciate because it's it's good to know that he's maybe a little more uh attached to the program he's not so mercenary as some people might think for somebody who flips even though he's a teenager he can do whatever the hell he wants um i don't know man this is to me in part because it's clemson because that's hilarious but also because i needed this i needed I needed a little bit of normalcy and I'm glad that we got it out of a positive recruitment story for Ohio state. And of course a negative one for Clemson, which makes it doubly as good. Yeah. That's a two for one. That's a win-win what we call in corporate, um, right. you know, corporate jargon. Uh, so <laughs> win-win for sure. Uh, because I want um, everything bad for Dabo Swinney and nothing good. Uh, this fits right, right in that sweet spot. The, the other thing that's really cool about this uh, was a nice impact piece from Zach Carpenter about the Hancock commitment. You, this is, um, the, let's say, the last time we've had two of the top, uh, let me see what the number was here. I had this. I had these notes up in a minute. Here we go. Yeah, two top 100 cornerbacks in the class in 2017. You had Jeff Okuda and Sean Wade at number eight and number 17 in that class. The, the, the top two cornerbacks in that class coming into Columbus. So now Ohio State could be in a position to do something similar with um, Ja'Kalen Johnson, who's the number four cornerback, and now Hancock's the number six cornerback as two of the, the, you know, the best um, DBs in the class. It just blows my mind at how, how fantastic this class is shaping together. This could be an all-timer. Uh, and, 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 you know, let's be honest, part of it is probably because in the pandemic era, the blue chips clearly have an advantage, right? You know, the blue blood programs clearly have an advantage. Oh, absolutely. If, if you're a smaller program or, or you're, um, you know, if you're Michigan, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you can't get these guys on campus, you know, that, that hurts your pitch. But if you're, if you're Kerry Combs and you're wearing, you know, all, all those rings on your finger from your time at Ohio state and you've got your NFL bona fides and you call a kid up and be like, Hey, you heard of Ohio State? <laughs> you know, it's a it's an easy pitch. Right. You don't so need to I, be I mean, in I think the living room. You don't need to be in the right. dining room or whatever to make your right. case. So, and that's I mean, look, Ohio State right now, you're sitting at number one for the 2021 football team rankings on 24 seven. 
it's obviously this is all fluid and you don't know what's going to happen. But right now, the the class that they have accumulated is really kind of bonkers. And I, I am one who tends to be a little bit skeptical about football players until they actually arrive on campus. I wasn't always like that. I think when I was younger and maybe when I was in college, I would hype guys up and go, okay, this is the next dude. He's going to be great. You never really know. Um, but man, they have so many exciting, interesting players in this class. And I just, there's going to be, I think, some really, really bona fide stars coming out of this. I mean, Jack Sawyer is the guy, obviously, you know, I mean, that dude is top of every list and everything like that. Um, but you just go down the list and you look at all the other players. It's it's really something else. I'm, I'm curious. I guess the one that I am most curious about out of all of these to see how things develop is um, uh, the quarterback that you've got here uh, in McCord because it's – look, it's – it's one thing to be doing things with some of Urban Meyer's players and whatnot. And I, I know it's, it's not exactly that cut and dry because Ryan Day has been here a little bit and he's had a say in how certain players have developed and obviously brought in Justin Fields. But to me, that is the one where it's going to be, what does Ryan Day's team look like? What is, what does he want them to do? And I don't know, man, it, it, I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm very, very curious about that that to see how it develops and, and how it all plays out. Other interesting element to all of this is, you know, a lot of schools are saying, well, we may not have a football season and whatnot. And I, I there's some recruits today who are saying, look, if they cancel our football season, whatever state or district we live in, I, I mean, I'm, going, I'm going to college as soon as I possibly can. I'm getting in there and doing camp as early as humanly possible to prepare myself. And why wouldn't you? It makes total sense for these guys to do that. You don't want to waste time. You get on you're getting on campus as quickly as you possibly can. In particular, um, if you're some of these guys who, you know, you you have Sunday uh, afternoon aspirations and and Sunday afternoon talent you know, the clock's ticking, right? So yeah. you, you, you want to get, get on camera. Yeah. You don't want to miss your senior season of high school. And, and I, I hate to see kids rush through that. You know, the older I get, the farther away I get from, uh, you know, those football Friday nights. Uh, but still you've got to, you know, get, get into the program, get into the system, start uh, learning from coach Mick and, and you know, the training staff and, yeah, I mean that's all that's all of the good. If you've got to make a choice, you know, go. I I would expect to see, you know, the early enrollees, that's still a thing that will be very important and be even more prevalent maybe so this season than in other years. Who knows? Yeah, I, I think it will be. And especially, you know, because who knows what kind of decisions people are going to be making with regards to the NFL draft, all kinds of other things. I mean, you want to get players on campus as quickly as humanly possible so that you can set yourself up for, you know, 2021, which sounds insane, but that's, that's how far in advance we have to think because of what this pandemic has done, I think to our reckoning of, of timelines and things like that. So um, here's the other thing I want to talk about. So this is, this is uh a little bit of a transition here, but I think it's interesting. I I enjoy talking about this. I enjoy thinking about this because how worked up players in particular get about it. It doesn't seem to be too big of a deal for me because I don't play Madden. I don't give a crap about Madden. It's not something that I get invested in, but I love, oh my God, I love the drama surrounding the Madden ratings. And when they come out and how players handle it and, and how they feel about it, it cracks me up every time. Now, if you're an Ohio State player, if you happen to be a famous, well-known Ohio State player, you're pretty happy this year because Madden 20 or the yeah the Madden 21 ratings for uh, Ohio State, there's there's some pretty lofty numbers. If you're a Michael Thomas or Ezekiel Elliott or Joey Bosa or even a Cam Hayward, who I'm glad is getting the recognition that maybe starting to get the recognition anyway they deserve because he's been a rock for a long time um, at that position. So, you know, we had on the site the full uh, the full list. JT Barrett is all the way down there at a 50 rating with the Steelers. You got Jake McQuaid as a tight end, 35. I think they're a little bit better than that. Um, were there any surprises? Did you did you go through this? All right, by the way, actually, let, let's start with this question. Are you a Madden guy? Do you play Madden? Do you get into it? 
I would like to say yes, so that our listeners would think I was hip and with it. <laughs> However, comma, the closest to uh, consistent video game play I have been over the past, oh, let's just charitably say two years, has been playing Mario Kart on the Nintendo Wii with my seven-year-old, who, by the way, she and uh, the stunning Mrs. Vance tend to smoke me uh, like a cheap cigar every time <laughs> we play Mario Kart together. My my uh, the peak of my sports gaming experience, and we'll get to this, uh, I think, in depth a little bit uh, later on, is playing Super Punch Out on the Super oh, Nintendo excellent. Entertainment System. That was one of my favorite sports games of all time, and I was fantastic. Now, uh, so the Madden ratings, you know, for the most part, I'm like I don't know why you got to do my guy JT Barrett like that, but but <laughs> setting setting that aside, you know. Yeah, it's probably about, I mean, some of it, it's, you know, it feels like some of it's name recognition, you know, and some of these that the guys that are uh, uh, brand names. So you, you, you mentioned uh, Cameron Hayward, for example, like it's pretty universally accepted that Hayward is, is one of the best, um, you know, at the position in the league and his career. I mean, he's been pretty prolific, he's been with the Steelers for quite a while now, and is still doing it at the highest level. Oh, yeah. So that, you know, that makes sense. Um, Michael Thomas, you know, is there a guy out there with a bigger chip on his shoulder who also consistently backs it up <laughs> than Michael Thomas? I love he it. I mean, I love that chip, though. He, he does. Oh, for, for sure. That's why I say he I mean, backs it up. I love following him on social media because he this stuff's all fuel for him. Oh, <laughs> all yeah. of it. And getting that 99 club, not that there was any doubt that he's the best receiver in the league today, um, but up there with Mahomes. Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Donald, and uh, Patriots cornerback um, Stephon Gilmore as the the five in the ninety nine club this year. I mean that's his, that's a good that's a pretty great stamp on it. You know he came in yeah. at a ninety five um, uh, with Matt NFL twenty, and you know now up to the ninety nine. Which I mean I think they're right. What does he not do well? I got nothing. Yeah, Pretty darn I good. Mean, he's he's real damn good and. You're drafting fantasy. He's your first guy on the board, right? I mean, exactly. you know, that's as he should be. And and what's interesting to me, there are a lot of Ohio State players 80 above. And that's sometimes you look at these players and you're like, okay, well, maybe they don't get the respect they deserve. Because you know, you're a Ohio State fan. And you you see the NFL and you're like, I want all of my guys to be on, you know, every marquee, talked about at every game they play in. And it's kind of, again, I don't play Madden, but it's kind of nice to see them getting this kind of recognition. Like a guy, look, a guy like Carlos Hyde, who's been around for a while, uh, who I gave his nickname, you know, to who I, yes, who I anointed as El Guapo. I like to see him get a little bit of recognition. I mean, get 80 isn't an incredible score, but he's with the Seahawks. Like, I like it. I like it. I enjoy it. So here's the thing. And and, and, and you're going to see some of these guys are going to go up, right? Because like Chase Young, oh, of course, in as an Chase 80, Young, we've not seen him play a snap. Right. Yeah. So, but you can't put him in at a 90 before he's played right. a snap in the league. You know, Jeff right. Akuda at a 76, same thing. That number is going to go up. Correct. I, I mean, I'm confident of that. Um, yeah. I think J.K. Dobbins at 75, he's probably going to go up. But, but they get, you got to start somewhere with the young guys. Um, and, you know, you, we got 16 at 80 or above, and Von Bell sitting there at 79. So, you know, that's a pretty. That's a, that's a pretty broad swath. You could about construct uh, a team just based on Ohio State right. players, 75 or above, it seems like. So let's talk about the college players in a little bit. Are you a person who pines for the days of NCAA football and college football? Are, 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 do, you, do you still have that, that yearning for a college football game? I mean, I think that it passed me a, a few years back just because it was like you kind of had resigned yourself to it never happening. Yeah, um, but but I think it would be it would be fun to see how you know you'd like to be able to play that game like that would there there's an there's a, a curiosity to it even if I'm you know as an adult kind of a more pragmatic practical right. saying it's just not it's just going to happen not going to happen because I even I even think when we get um, the NIL stuff ironed out here in the next you know it feels like it will take longer now because of COVID than it would have. Sure. Um, it felt like that train was rolling down the tracks and now like there's more pressing things to to worry about, it seems like. Um, but I still think, you know, absent some sort of collective bargaining, it's going to be hard for him to get to really get a deal done. So here's OK. So here's my perspective on it. Right. Like when I was in college, 
I mean, that's all anybody wanted to play was, you know, the NCAA games. Cause you know, you, you wake up the games at noon or whatever, you play a couple games, maybe before game day or something like that. You watch game day, you watch the game, you come back to your dorm or wherever you're at, you play. So it's like the whole, it's, it's all part of it. Right. And then you watch the late game or whatever. But my point is, is that it felt so embedded to the college football experience yes. having that game. It's part of the deal. And, yeah. And as I got older, I kind of realized I don't like these games. I don't enjoy them. They're too, the the games I liked when I was a kid were the really, they were the, the, they were the sports games that were as far removed from reality as humanly possible. Right? Like I liked NFL blitz. I liked the game where people's heads could pop off. I liked the game. I forget what the baseball game was, but where like robots play baseball. Like that, that's what yeah. I thought was interesting. <laughs> right. I like NBA jam where it was basically two on two. That that's what's, that's, what's fun for me. If college, was, uh, if was college it NBA football, jam 95 that when you dunk, like the ball would literally catch on fire. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's on fire in the we, we, big head mode. It, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's awesome. And what I'm saying is, is that if college football makes a comeback, I don't want it to be this hyper realistic simulation game that, cheats all the time anyway to to get a specific outcome as someone who has played fifa by the way that is the <laughs> most frustrating game in the history of the universe my point is i want to see an nba jam style game for college football i want to see a couple of players get the nil worked out i want to see a couple players in each team and i want to see it like i don't know maybe a five on five or a seven on seven kind of game where it's fun and exciting and goofy and weird i don't care about the meticulous minutia of everybody, like the pinky finger goes this way on Justin Fields, but it goes that way on <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to have to memorize 15 different, you know, pass defenses. It's it's not worth it for me. Um, I want to have fun when I play video games and I want to see goofy stuff. Like what was your favorite, what was your favorite video game, like sports video game? You're talking about punch out, right? Yeah, I what love was your that favorite game. Sports and, video game when you were a kid, when you were younger. So, so I mean, in, in that, yeah, in that wheelhouse, super, super punch out, and and it fits that mold you were talking about. Like, yes, it was a boxing game, and uh, but but the characters, right? So you're, you know, you're fighting guys like bald bull and fat right. clown and bear hugger, and so it was like schlocky cartoony. But I, I really got into that. Now the basketball game, I think it was NBA Jam '95. I think was the one we had. Um, I love playing with my playing that with my dad like this. And these are the things I remember about playing these games. It wasn't so much um, the game itself. I remember playing it with my dad, playing with my brother. Um, we had these little wooden chairs and it amazes me now thinking back, like I think my grandpa had made these wooden chairs. They were little like old schoolhouse elementary school, like preschool kids size chairs and I look back thinking how did my fat ass ever sit in one of those chairs and play these video <laughs> games but we'd sit there for hours and play um that nba game dad was a huge still is i suppose a huge lakers fan uh and so he would play and, and like to you know play these classic lakers rosters you know like you know yeah. kareem abdul jabbar magic james worthy you know etc cetera, etc cetera. um uh and and you know would play lakers versus celtics you know because and you like larry bird too but so you, you don't have these just but they were fun because that some of those goofy things that you did in the game and it wasn't that it was hyper super realistic we had the ken griffey jr um oh baseball game ever yeah yeah that was great we would do the home run derby and just you know just crack them out of the park it's and fun. No, it was. It was a ball. Look, Tecmo Super Bowl is held up as one of the best, most fun games ever. And it's fun and the best because you had a game-breaking player that nobody could defend. And it was just, you'd have ridiculous scores, 70 to 73 or something stupid like that. When Mike Dick first was in an NFL game, you know, and he he had like every stat maxed out and he could run circles around literally every player on the field. (laughs) That's the kind of, that's the stuff that makes sports games fun. I don't, want a hyper realistic simulation that is a not possible honestly and b not really fun it's it's not fun to play especially when you know they do goofy stuff to help justify its realism which you know a player a player who should catch the ball it bounces right off their face mask even though the game shows them with their hands around the balls like well you know we had to add an element of like random chance it's stupid i hate that (laughs) there's nothing fun about that 
Um, there's a guy, this is actually interesting in the, I think it's interesting <laughs> in the Madden championships, the most recent Madden championships, the guy who won it, 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 this is like a creative team. So you don't pick just any team. You can like make your own team. The guy who won um, basically put a punter at quarterback and oh. he ran it. Yeah. And he ran it every single play and he broke the game. He didn't try to play it the way it was supposed to be played. He completely broke the game. And there are a lot of Madden players going like, Oh, that's BS. That's not the spirit of football. I'm like, that may not be the spirit of football, but it's the spirit of playing video games. Yeah. Right. You right. Something to exploit and then you do it. And then he won. And that's, that's, that's what's funny about it. That's what's fun about it. I yeah, love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, like, um, yes, in the NCAA games, I'm going to run Beanie Wells 500 times up the gut because eventually he will break through and then have a 90 yard touchdown run. I'll lose 35 to seven. That's <laughs> not a problem. I um, love, I love this. By the way, we were talking about the number of Ohio State players that got their Madden ratings, uh, and Dan has this at the bottom of his um, story about it uh, late last week or earlier this week. He had. Um, the list you know of every buckeye and it's there's like a hundred but below that the projected depth chart the all mm-hmm. buckeye madden depth chart this is mind-blowing it just how good ohio state's done at putting people in the draft which is back to our thing about why you're able to flip uh, a kid like hancock from clemson so literally a player at every position the only positions uh like you know one long snapper so okay we're kind of kind of failing now and and one uh punter kicker in, in cam johnston in the game other than that there are two and three and in the case of running backs <laughs> four guys at every position on the depth chart that's crazy from ohio state i mean you know that's now i mean granting that in some cases like okay jt barrett is the second team quarterback in that system because Dwayne Dwayne haskins the standard bearer but you know you've got a half dozen uh no no what nine Nine big-time receivers who, you know, Michael Thomas, Noah Brown, Devin Smith, Terry McLaurin, Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, Curtis Samuel, Ted Ginn Jr., K.J. Hill, all playing wide receiver in the league. You know, you got a pair of tight ends, pair of left tackles, pair of left guards, pair of centers, pair of right guards, pair of right tackles. You know, and then you get into the defensive linemen. My God, you could – you got a dozen defensive linemen in the Stop league it. from Ohio State. <laughs> it's it's incredible. Awesome. That's a testament to the kind of like development and things that they've been able to do. Larry Johnson's the man. Yeah, he's. Let's put up a statue of that guy. <laughs> yeah, honestly, if there's a coaching, if you're willing to do that, like I, I honestly think that would be fun. And this goes back to the old conversation I have about what they can do to to make Ohio Stadium better or whatnot. I think that's cool. I would love to see busts of college uh, or Ohio state coaches who have been really, really amazing unsung heroes, people yeah. who were really instrumental to the success of Ohio state. We just didn't talk about, right. Um, a guy like Jim Haycock, I, I think he should have like a bust maybe somewhere in the Woody. He was an incredibly instrumental uh, coach for Ohio state for a really long time. I mean, it's, it, those are the kind of things that I think adds flavor and interest to the, uh, um, to the program. And it, it's something that people kind of need to, to know about so yeah i it's it's crazy what's been happening and you can see that in our kind of cultural artifacts including you know video games and whatnot um absolutely i actually the video game i played the most the sports video game i played the most maybe the video game i played the most when i was a kid and i loved nba jam but i didn't have nba jam i had to go to either my friend's uh place to go play it or i had to go to the arcade to play it but what we did have was an nes and (laughs) My dad literally had a game. My dad bought an NES, I think, the first day it became available in the United States. Um, But that also meant there were almost no games available. And he bought a game literally just called Baseball. That's it. It was just Baseball. And it's the most rudimentary garbage baseball game you'll ever see in your entire life. But I played the absolute crap out of that. I love that game. Um, And you would always be the C team, which could have been either Cleveland or Cincinnati. I actually don't know. But I would, I would always be the C team, and he would whip my ass in that game, and I would get so angry and have to keep playing because that that's what I'm saying. Like the simple stuff is more fun. I don't need like, you know, I don't need 15 buttons to like do a head fake and a half juke. I don't I don't care about any of that crap. So hopefully, like I said, if if college football comes back in game form, I want it to be fun. I want it to be goofy. I want to see an NFL blitz version of NCAA football. That's what I want. So. 
Um, as a reminder, the uh, 11 Dubcast is brought to you by the Dry Goods store at 11warriors.com. So it's drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, masks. Right now, we've got tons of masks. If you want to look stylish while also keeping safe, we have all kinds of great stuff, um, including uh, some new some new designs and whatnot coming to you. So I would you got to you got to get that. So you know the the masks are cool. You now have three selections of masks to choose from. You have the the classic uh, Eleven Warriors mask, the Beat Michigan mask, and mm-hmm. my my personal favorite is the That's Ohio's Moon yes. mask. Uh, the the iconic That's Ohio's Moon emblem. My favorite uh, laptop sticker and and t-shirt of the lot and oh by the way every mask you buy contributes one dollar to the mid-ohio food bank so buy early and buy often and let's have a season wear your mask that's your psa for the week thank you for listening (laughs) no but you're right and it's you know it's for a good cause um it helps people out it helps you out it's it's a good thing to do so let's do a little ask us anything and i had a question last week about the uh this from bill and he wanted to know just kind of my historical opinion on the uh the musical hamilton which is now on disney plus which i do have we do have disney plus uh my wife and i watched you know, you, you 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 turn on something, you don't expect to get emotionally invested, and then three and a half hours later, you watch Endgame again. Uh, <laughs> I I did not think either of us would last through it, but we did because it's a fun movie. Here's the thing about Hamilton. So I I, I did watch Hamilton. Um, from my historical opinion of it is different, I think, than my uh, like movie opinion of it my uh my review of it as as a, you know, a piece of art or whatever as a piece of art i, I think it's incredibly interesting and it's i don't think it's great because i really do like like rap I like actual rap and not broadway rap which it mm-hmm. mostly is but man they they are just so damn good like everybody involved in the production the writing the music like the, all the actors are just badass from a actual like production standpoint it's like it's hard for me to even want to attempt to hate on the thing because it's just it is such a damn well put together piece of media like i I know that's a really general way of putting it but i I can't point to a single thing on there where i'm like wow that's that's underwhelming or whatever it's just it's done in such a really cool way and i really appreciate it from that aspect historically that's a different kind of conversation and i'll i'll just keep it very brief by saying this one of the things that people have kind of criticized hamilton a little bit is maybe not addressing the issue of slavery and some other things as as much as it could have been or whatnot i i think when you're making something like hamilton you've gotta if you don't focus on one central idea or theme you're going to kind of lose the plot a little bit and what hamilton was attempting to do in a really i think intelligent subversive way was to make people kind of recontextualize not just the the people that you know are being talked about or the characters and the thing but also the people who are performing it and on that basis i think it's really really interesting i can't you know is everything completely historically accurate no is it super like does all the context fit? Does it, does it, you know, if you were writing a thesis, could you, you know, make your primary source Hamilton? No, you shouldn't do that. But as a historical artifact, I guess, is what I'm saying. It has a lot of value. And, you know, again, I would, I would hope that Hamilton would encourage people to do their own academic research and kind of go through and see, you know, how well, um, what happens in Hamilton kind of meshes with what the historical record is and how people are talking about it. And I don't think it's like terrible or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that at all, but what I want people to do is, is don't criticize Hamilton if it doesn't completely fit with, you know, everything historically accurate. Like that, that's not really, I think the point of Hamilton. So for me, it's kind of hard to, it's a, it's an interesting conversation because I don't, I don't think it has to be, perfect historical record i don't think it needs to be because i don't think that's what it's trying to do um but i think it's i think it's really entertaining i don't i don't love the music because again it's it's something that you know i I, i'm like i want to actually listen to rap but i still think it's very good so that's that's my that's my hot takes on that um it's it's a fascinating like i said it's a fascinating piece of art and uh, i think everybody should watch it but then 
do your do your own research. Continue. Don't 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 let your interest in that time period and in Hamilton himself kind of start and end with that musical because there's so much more to it, and there's a lot more questions that we have to ask ourselves about you know the legacy of these people and what they mean and all that stuff. So two two uh, thoughts to tag onto that. So I have not yet watched Hamilton. We do have Disney Plus, so it is very much in my queue. If nothing else, just so that I know what everyone's been raving about um these last five years i guess mm-hmm. uh but i would say this uh, speaking of disney plus and lynn manuel miranda uh i was super impressed all the things you said about the craftsmanship of the musical and the performances and so on to me i still hold that moana is one of the best disney films that's um, really good that's ever, really ever put out like I, as a, you know, middle-aged, um, father, you know, teared up at, you know, at least one and maybe two different points in that film. when we saw it in the theater with our daughter because of just such a powerful piece of art. In addition to being a fun movie, uh, and Dwayne the Rock Johnson as Maui is hilarious. And, <laughs> you know, the, the young lady that, that plays Moana, a beautiful voice and just the whole thing was fantastic. But that goes back to, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda put together an incredible story, incredible book. Uh, of songs and and so on just really really good so uh, for for that reason uh, I'm super excited about Hamilton and and it also I think brings up a good reminder that we're we're probably as a society pretty terrible at at understanding our own history you're a history teacher so you can maybe either back me up or contradict me on that and so (laughs) I think it's I, I think it's good for us to use pop culture to start that conversation because I you and I talked about this after the show last week when this question was originally posed um I, I remember watching 1776, uh, mm-hmm. also a musical about uh, historical times in the United States. I remember watching that at my mother-in-law's when you were still getting Netflix on DVDs. And I like to think I know a lot about our nation's founding and it's the, you know, the early years and so on and so forth. There were a lot of things I learned, you know, from watching that musical and then going and reading right. the, the relevant, you know, at least a Wikipedia article, if not doing more in depth, you know, they're just things that you'd pick up. You're like, Oh, I didn't realize that was, you know, the, the, the byplay that was going on between these historical characters. Oh, I didn't really realize that these two people hated each other's guts or, you know, whatever it happened to be. <laughs> well, so I think it's, and I think it's great. To, I've acted in 1776. I did a production of that. See, I, I was, gave you a segue yeah. here. I wanted to make yeah. sure that we brought up your musical career. Well, yeah. And I, I'm not a singer. My, my actually, what's interesting is my sister and my dad and my mom are all very good singers. My dad, especially is an excellent singer. Um, I'm not that, that's, that did not, that did more not practice, that's for, all. for old Johnny. Um, but I'm loud and you know, I've stage presence, I guess when I want to have it. So it worked out. Uh, 1776 is interesting because a lot of the dialogue is taken directly from some of the letters and writings of, uh, these, these historical figures. And that's a whole other conversation that we can have, but to recontextualize some of those things as, and put them into a, uh, a narrative, right? Like a, of a play, or musical is, is really kind of fascinating, the choices that people make to allow that to happen. But yeah, I don't know. Like I said, Hamilton, good. Uh, Lynn Miller, look, he, I think he's a genius. I think he's he's very, very good at what he does. I also think he's one of the weaker parts of the uh, the production. Um, at yeah, least I don't that, think he's uh, the best singer in any of the, I mean, that was true when you listen to the Moana soundtrack as well. Yeah. He, he was on a few of the songs. He's fine. You know, yeah. you know, he's, he's a good singer, but when you're on a stage full of Broadway class talent, that's right. a different thing. Right. But, you know, I'm not going to fault the guy from wanting to, you know, kind of be out there and, and put himself out and front and center on something that he made and, and, you know, blood, sweat and tears to get done. So I, you know, I, I still really appreciate all the work that went into it. It's, it's, it's definitely worth watching. Um, so that was, that was from Bill. Bill, uh, thank you for sending that in. And like I said, everybody else, you should definitely check it out. Uh, this is from Matt in, uh, Minneapolis. And so he says, this isn't Ohio state related, but it's definitely pertinent to, um, what we've been talking about with athletic departments, budgets, and so on. He wanted to know what are our thoughts on the university of St. Thomas and the twin cities going from D three all the way up to D one in football he says it's a pretty small private college it's basically a school for rich suburban kids who don't have the grades to get into a big 10 school or big 12 school big 12 school they could probably get into a big 12 school uh they do have an incredibly wealthy and well-connected alumni network uh so did you did you hear about the story i did when i saw it you know it kind of blew my mind because when i first saw the name i'm like why don't you know why do i recognize and i was thinking like uh, they were in one of the basketball tournaments or something you know like i remember seeing 
Yeah. So I was thinking, it's a basketball school. Why are they? Yeah. That, I mean, that's a big jump, right? So it was kind of, it was kind of mind blowing, particularly when you see it in the context that we're talking about lately, or like right. most places are looking to trim their wicks a little bit here. And you guys are jumping into the big leagues whole hog. Yeah. I don't, I mean, they were essentially kicked out of D3 because of, of what they were doing. I will say this, this is, and I don't know anything specifically about uh, St. Thomas and whatnot. So I can't, I don't know that I can, say this is true for them i will tell you that if people think that the amount of uh shadiness or uh backroom dealings or paying players if you think that diminishes any at the d3 level uh it does for a lot of schools for a lot of other schools it absolutely does not um there is still a huge huge culture of of winning at any cost no matter what the level of football um so I don't know. I mean, if, if you've got the alumni base, if you've got the money being poured into the program, I mean, you look at a school like Liberty, which you know, I do not, uh, I don't personal level, I do not enjoy Liberty and how it's run. And I think it's, you know, basically a kind of a scam in a lot of ways. But I can also t- say that in, in Liberty's defense, if, if their goal was to have a successful or at least notable football program, they were able to essentially accomplish that. Now, I don't like how they did it, but it's possible with the money and the right alumni base and things like that. So I don't know how successful St. Thomas is going to be. I just don't think it's silly to think that they couldn't make that a reasonable investment. I don't think it's a wise investment, particularly now, um, but it's possible. They could do it. It, it. They can make that jump. And it just sucks that they're trying right now because it's, they're going to have to make sure they get all their ducks in a row and, and ready to hit the ground running. If, if this football season does not happen, because everybody else, like you said earlier in this podcast, the advantage goes to the established powers. Um, and you, you're going to be playing catch up, particularly if you're a team coming from D three. So um, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's interesting to me to watch how these, uh, these programs kind of evolve over time. So that's, that'll be one to keep an eye on. Um, so that's Ask Us Anything. Thank you for sending those in. Please keep asking us literally anything. We love answering these questions. Um, and remember, you can do so to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. And Andy, I think that about wraps it up for tonight. I think that's that, that's that's a dubcast in the bank. That was pretty good. I appreciate that. Job well done, mi amigo. Yeah, so we'll be back next week kind of dissect all the news and notes of Buckeye sports, college sports, all kinds of other things. And until then, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you next week.